Welcome to Fridays on the Fly. I'm Ward. We are creative people, the creative projects. Sometimes we talk about that, among other things. Be forewarned, sometimes content or language may be inappropriate for children. Hello, and how are you doing? On the last episode, I told you that the Blazer, it finally runs. It is an achievement. It feels like an achievement. And so I was getting ready to pull it out of the garage and start the next project. And yet there's a few things wrong with the Blazer. But I'd forgotten all the other things were wrong with it before I started this project. As I was thinking about pulling it out of the garage and starting the next project, I realized, oh yeah, I was supposed to replace the window actuator, window actuator, window regulator on the drive side door. Because I had replaced the door years and years ago with one that was not rusty. The one in there, the bottom's like nearly completely rusted out. And so I replaced the door. The door I replaced it with had a manual window. My Blazer stock has a power window. So, you know, the plan was one day to pull out, drill out the manual window and install the window regulator for the power window. I just had never done that. I feel like I need to do that now because the thing is, passenger window won't work because it won't work unless the power window is plugged up too. Like, it's a, not a redundant system. That's great. That's awesome. The back hatch does not latch. Well, the back hatch latches, but if you latch it, there's no way to unlatch it unless you manually, like, jam a screwdriver in there and that's difficult to do because everything's hidden by the panel and i was looking at it because i don't i don't know what i was thinking i don't know what's going on back there i've got two like so i installed door poppers on the blazer didn't shave the handles that was like a future plan but i installed door poppers they worked for a while last i was driving it yeah they had quit working uh it seems like the cables always just gave adjustment but i put two outermark solenoids in the back hatch and i think one was for the back glass and one was for the uh tailgate itself because i had a remote i had a little remote that would open the front doors and i guess i was going to hook these up somewhere. i don't know because there's solenoids in there there's wires one wire is not connecting anything could not find the second wire to see what the other solenoid is connected to the stock actuator for the back glass is not in there at all and so i don't know if that's part of the reason this thing doesn't latch or not like i don't know if, i don't know there's a lot going on in there i don't know what's actually happening there should be a button in the front. I need to look in the dash, see if that button somewhere, because that's not there. Well, crap, where is that? I mean, I found an actuator. I got, like, all kinds of spare S10 blazer parts. So I found two actuators between the two of them. One of them should work. But there's just uh, there's a lot going on there, and I really, really thought, you know, I, would, I thought I was ready for the next project. I'm, I am ready for the next project. I just thought I was actually going to move to it, and I feel like I need to take these things to the blazer, because, yeah, I could pull it out and work on these things outside, but I don't want to work outside. Like, I've worked... In this garage, it's been very nice. First time I've ever worked on a car. In a, well, I'd worked on the Blazer in actually that very same garage when I installed the door poppers. That was back when I had one incandescent light. I mean, you couldn't see crap all. Uh, but it's it's been nice. I don't want to work outside anymore. So that's unfortunate because I want to move to the next project. I got a little got a little car that, you know, doesn't need much work. Just clean it up, you know, drive that. And then I can start on my daily driver truck, paint, wheels, lowering kit. And that thing is going to be amazing. That's really, man, you do that. You got a clean looking Chevy. And that's what I wanted since the day I bought that thing, which is crazy enough. It's like five years ago now. I know the wheels I want. I know the drop kit I want. I mean, I've done all my research. I know the paint I want. I just, I need something I can drive while that is down. Cause I mean, I want to paint the door jams. You know, I want to, I want to go all out on that. So, but the blazer is the linchpin and maybe I should work on that. Oh, cause the other thing with the blazer is the gauge closures, digital dash. It does not work at all. Like nothing lights up. And it seems like very likely, I mean, the digital gauge clusters, they are temperamental at best. And I know I had some flickering back when, but it always seemed to work. But it's probably a solder joint issue. And so I've been teaching myself to solder, you know, kind of looking up some how-tos, the what is it, how do you do it. And I'm having some issues, and I don't know if it's the equipment or me. Like, I do realize that I had, like, some soldering helping hands, like, 10 years ago. 
didn't know what they were, just some of them, like, you know, save the parts and like got rid of the rest. Wish I hadn't done that. I, just, I didn't know what it was at the time. I don't even know how I came across it. And I'm thinking right now, like I have a solder gun, not sure where it came from. I'm thinking maybe my dad may have given it to me, but I don't know why. I don't have, I don't have any other pieces that you would need to solder, but I've, you know, I've ordered flux. I've ordered like the soldering wire, the rosin core. Uh, I mean, I should have what I need now. But, you know, I've been trying to test it just to see what's going on. And it just doesn't seem... Like, I know it's heating. Like, it'll burn through paper. But it doesn't ever seem to heat the wires hot enough to, like, for the solder to start flowing. And I've got, like, uh, what is it? 6737, where it, so it should melt a little bit lower. And, yeah, I'd, like, you know, I kind of have these pieces of wire that I'm testing on, like, clamped. So it's not, like, a very tight or rigid. So there's a little bit of flex to it. I don't know if that's the problem. I don't know. I need to play with that some and see if I can isolate what my problem is. I'm thinking it might be the tip because the tip is kind of dark in color and I've sanded it to kind of clean it up, but it might be the tip. So I, I right now I'm going to see if I can get some thick gauge copper wire from a home improvement store and see if that works. Cause you know, I tried to tin the tip cause they say that's good. And the solder just like, like evaporates instantly. Like it won't tin the tip. It just evaporates instantly. So I don't, I don't know if that's me or I don't know what's going on. That's something I'm just gonna have to mess around with and try to figure it out. Uh, so Plenty of things to do because it would be nice, you know. Because I don't know, I just don't think I can see that sell the blazer without a working cluster. Like, what's the odometer reading? I have no idea. I'd have to base it off of the last uh, registration and then just make some guesses from there. I really, I just don't know. I don't know what it could be, and so I feel like I need to get that working. And I think I'm thinking it might be the power supply since nothing works. It might be the power supply, like those connections are just, you know, it's been outside for five years. Probably the heat cold cycle. I doubt it helped it. Could be there's something I there's a ribbon cable. I think connecting to the circuit boards could be that. I mean, could be could be any number of things. I think the power supply is a good place to start, but you need to re-solder those joints, reflow those joints. And so I'm trying to get there, man, trying to figure this thing out. I've been watching movies. I mean, I'm always watching movies, but I don't know what it is. You know, like last November, after October, not watching like anything for the month, I was on a movie kick in November. Uh, you know, I think on my review site, I, mean, I posted in December, I may have posted like just about every day of the month, January, 30 days in January, I posted 26 movie reviews. I don't post them on Sunday because yeah, I don't want to like use up this backlog I've made on movies I've watched and I'm reviewing. But it looks like I will post, you know, a movie review every day in February except for on Sundays. I don't know if I've seen anything like really great. I did rewatch Bull Durham recently, one of those movies I like. You know, I'm to the point where movies I've seen I've enjoyed. It's like been a long time since I've seen them, so watching them now is not quite like watching them fresh. But it's been long enough that I've kind of forgotten the uh a lot of the small details so watch bull durham you know not one of my favorite movies of all time I'm not saying it's not good like it's a great sports movie it is you know one of the more popular or potentially the most popular baseball movie and well deserved well earned because that is a movie that you can tell it it's written i mean right under the same person that guy loves baseball he played pro baseball and you can just tell he loves baseball and that kind of seeps into that movie through kevin costner's character and it is you know aside from how this treats baseball well and does baseball justice. You've got three main characters that are well-developed. They have goals, they have dreams, they have faults, and they're trying to figure out life. And that is a good character. You know, they are dimensional. They have depth, and these characters do. And you've got two characters mentoring this young pitcher, Nuke, who has a lot of talent and not a lot of experience, where you've got Kevin Costner, the veteran, who has a lot of knowledge, but he just doesn't have the talent. And both of those guys could be out of baseball in a month. I mean, that's the way baseball is. Baseball can be fickle. And, uh, and you've got Susan Trainon's character Annie, who's also trying to mentor this young pitcher. You know, she you know she has a relationship with him. She's getting what she wants out of that. 
that's that's what's going on. I did watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Edgar Wright. I really like his movies. I'd seen this movie back when. Wanted to watch again. And this and this movie is neat and it's, it's just such a distinct style. I mean, it visually kind of mixes film, graphic novel. There's a lot of pop culture references. And any movie that attempts to mimic the style like Scott Pilgrim sets out, you'd be accused of, oh, you're just copying Scott Pilgrim because it's just such a distinct style. And, you know, if you were accused of that, with good reason. It is very difficult to achieve the style without being overbearing. Like The fact this movie is very stylistic, but it's not annoying. To me, that is a huge accomplishment. It is not easy to do that. This movie is frequently funny, not over the top. There's just such a craft to this movie. There's a craft to all of Edgar Wright's movies. I mean, he he's his artistic vision shines through in everything. I mean, he... He has strong visuals. I I don't know. I think the first, I guess the first Edgar Wright thing I saw would have been Shaun of the Dead. And I love that movie instantly. I just love the humor in it. And I'd watched all of, what was it, the Cornetto trilogy. And at some point, I don't know if it's, it might have been after Hot Fuzz, I watched Space. That was, uh, Edgar Wright directed it. It starred Simon Pegg, um, Nick Frost, and, you know, they all live in an apartment. And that show is really good. Like, you can see, the bones of Shaun of the Dead and the Cornetto trilogy in that, and some of the humor. I mean, it has one of the funniest scenes where you've got uh, Simon, Nick, and their neighbor. They are shooting like fake guns. Our hands are guns. They're shooting guns, making the sound effects. And it's just, it's so funny because it's so true. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright. I like his stuff. That's what I've been watching. So the last couple episodes, I've been solo, and I've forgotten that, oh, I used to do this you know, advice column type thing. I, I don't know how I forgot it. It just, it happens. Sometimes it happens. It happened here. That's what's going on. So with that said, let's do some advice columns. So first up, visiting a messy house. And so this is not me. I'm just reading, you know, whatever I found. I have a male friend who has guests over to watch sports and hang out. We are close friends, but the thing is his house is very dirty. He is single and lives alone. So he really has no help or knowledge of cleaning that I am aware of which should be, of which I'm aware. There are times when I'd rather not use the restroom there because it's so dirty. I once opened a kitchen cabinet to look for a bag and found a dead cockroach in plain sight. Our friend has mentioned painting, and he sometimes apologizes for his messes. I would love to offer him my time and elbow grease to tidy up and even paint, but my friends say that it's not polite and he may take it the wrong way. I'm not sure what to do. I want to be a good friend, but I don't want to overstep boundaries. I mean, this is... If I had a friend whose house was as dirty as I'm imagining this house is, I would not be going to that house. I just, I don't, you know, if, if, if it's that dirty where you can see, what about what you can't see? That's just, I no, I wouldn't do it. Now, there's a few things that, I mean, there's, there's a lot in this, but a few things I want to just touch base on right off the, butt, off the bat. This person says, you know, he's single, lives alone, so he has no help or knowledge of cleaning. What? Like, it does not matter if he is a male. It does not matter if he's single. He has no knowledge of cleaning. He's not aware that cleaning products exist. He's never walked down an aisle of a grocery store with cleaning products. Like, uh, you can clean stuff? It, I mean, it, that should not be a revelation to him. The dude is a slob. It is that simple. He is a slob. Now, if this friend, I don't think it's overstepping to offer to help. You can very easily say, like, hey, you know, you've mentioned painting. I love painting. I'd love to help you with that. Now, that could spur on the conversation, like, hey, we got to clean this crap up before we paint. Uh, and But, you know, you say that, you offer that, he's either going to say, oh, yeah, I'd love for, your, for you to help me, or, oh, no, you know, I'd, I'd rather just take care of myself, or, you know, I don't want to bother you. Like, you know, if, he, if there's any negative response or contrary response, he doesn't really want your help. Now, if you just offer, like, hey, you're a slob, I want to help you clean up because it's so annoying, that may be annoying. I mean, you said 
said the person's apologize for the message. I think that's just kind of like your social, uh, what is it, social niceties, like where you're just like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, you don't really mean it. The dude's a slob. If he wanted to be neater and cleaner, he would be. He's a slob. So I think even if this friend helped him clean up, what's going to happen? He's going to be a slob again. Like, it'll be clean for what, a day? I don't, like, what, my favorite part is he has no knowledge of cleaning. I don't know what cleaning is. I mean, does the dude take a shower? He's got some cursory knowledge of clean of cleaning. And if he doesn't take a shower, like, why? In the, like, that house has got to be rank. I don't, but again, it's not overstepping a boundary. I think I'd, I'd lead into it with, like, hey, I'll help you paint. You know, you know, you know, probably good to, like, clean up or go through some of the paint. Like, you know, that's that's ridiculous. And how are these friends, like, oh, you know, we need to protect this slot. Like, we don't want you making him neater. Why? It's It seems like lost cause. I would not be going to that house. I mean, that place is filthy. Don't do it to yourself. You can help. It, if this person helps, they will be frustrated because it's gonna you're gonna get it clean and soon you can overstep the you know, step over the hurdle of this guy may not want you helping him clean up his message, maybe embarrassment message may not want you going through that stuff. But even if you get past that hurdle and you clean it up and it looks great, give it a week. It's gonna be messy because you know what? If he lives in an apartment or a house, I guarantee you when he moved in, it was not that messy. Dude is a slob. It's you're not gonna change it. I mean, unless I don't know, unless like something drastic like that, you're not going to change it. Up next, seat saving. I'm going to read this one. This is not me. I am of the opinion that it is incredibly rude to save seats or to ask others already seated to move for a group. It's one thing to hold a seat for a friend who's running to the bathroom or grabbing a drink, but to show up early for an event with limited seating and save 10 seats or more, to save a row of seats on an airplane or several deck chairs at the pool by placing items on them, I was recently at a high school graduation event and a woman was saving an entire table of about a dozen seats. As the event was starting, three people had shown up to join her and she still didn't want to share the table even though a lot of other people had nowhere to sit. Is there some way to put a stop to this craziness or am I the rude one? I have never asked someone to move or try to save seats when meeting a group. I get all I get us all there early or split up and sit separately. Seat saving. That's a dicey issue. Uh... I am of the opinion, I don't like to save seats. I kind of feel like either you're there or you're not. Uh, you know, I know people that do save seats. Uh, I think you got you have to read the room. If there are plenty of seats, you can save some seats. Now, saving 10 seats, you're getting extreme. I mean, you know, if the people wanted to be there, I kind of feel like they would be there. Uh, and if they're late, well, you know, it's kind of on them. It's just, that's just the way it works. But yeah, I've, I've been coercing to saving seats. I don't love it. But it really it depends on what's going on. You know, if like in this situation, if an event has started and your people aren't there and you're still saving 10 seats, man, you got to you got you got to roll with that. You know, that that's not going to work. You got to give those seats up. Uh, but yeah, I'm in the pain. Like either that you're there or you're not. If you're not there, you have forfeited your right to a seat. Like unless you have a ticket with a number on it that designates that seat is yours, like at a ball game, you ain't saving crap. Have I ever been asked to like move, move and like say a movie theater? Yeah, you know, like if there's a group of people and like they're one seat short and I can move down one to help them. I'm going to do that. I mean, that's just part of being a human being there. But yeah, you know, I have no problem. Like, I know some people are like, oh, you know, we need to sit together. You know, like at a restaurant, like you get some groups are just huge. Everyone's sitting like, nah, look, if we can cut our wait time in half and split up, let's just split up. I mean, there's only half of you I probably want to talk to anyway. The other half, you know, maybe we can just maybe do a little uh, merry-go-round. You know, we'll just swap seats halfway through this thing. Saving seats, I, I don't like saving seats. And that's my take. I, I'm not saying it's wrong to save seats. I don't like to do it. But you got to be careful. And saving, if I see somebody saving a bunch of seats, I'm going to be a little annoyed. I mean, it's just, 
you know, I'm going to be annoyed. That's what it is. I'm not a fan of that whole saving the seat nonsense. All right. A prosthetic leg question. I don't read many of those. I just started a new job. It's at the same company as a casual friend of mine. Her husband and mine work together and hang out sometimes. But I didn't see any problem with that. She was a bit funny about it when she heard I'd applied, but we aren't that close, so I wasn't really worried. It turns out the reason she was odd is because she's a diabetic who lost her lower leg to complications from the disease. At least, she is from 9 to 5. For the record, I've seen her in shorts and swimming, and she has no add-on limbs. It's all factory-issued. I don't know why she lied or how she kept this lie up. I am positive I would immediately stub my prosthetic and give myself away. I do know it's not my business at my new job to get involved in whatever weirdness is going on. I'm just pretending I don't know a thing. It's something that has been referenced by a number of people regarding her at the job. It's not one person with the wrong end of an anecdote. This is multiple people. Plus, my coworker limps and uses a stick at work. Oh, wow. That's his minor Jackson. That's just, that's beautiful. My question is how to handle this socially. Do I tell her I know? Should we both just pretend we are different people at work like severance? Can I, should I tell my husband? Technically, it's not his business, but it's such a weird thing. I kind of feel he should know about it. It's such a bizarre thing for this previously quite unremarkable and indeed pleasant woman to have done. I have no idea how to respond to it, but it's such a big, weird lie. It seems equally weird to just ignore it. Holy cow. A woman is faking a prosthetic leg at her work. Like, I don't even know. How do you even start that lie? I mean, I would not assume somebody, I wouldn't think somebody like a coworker like assumes like, oh, you're diabetic. Obviously, you've lost some legs or some limbs. Seems like a big assumption for a coworker. At the same time, how do you just like casually drop like, yeah, lost my limb due to my diabetes? Like, why? What would possess you to say such a thing? I mean, I just need to know how this thing started because I cannot fathom who or what end or where how that got started. And the fact that coworker limps and uses a stick, I assume they mean like a walking stick at work. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my first thought is, is this? You know, social friends just like incredibly lazy and has found a way to like get out of work. Like, oh yeah, you know, can't can't move them boxes, man. Got the you know, only got one leg. Can't ask a one legged person to move. Like, what is going on? I need to know what this job is. Like, what what kind of job are you working at? You know, if it's a desk job, well, honestly, one leg is gonna like do it. I mean, I have to imagine like root cause of this is this friend is looking for sympathy, and the loss of a leg will get you some sympathy to a degree. I mean, especially you know. Uh, this is weird. Now, what do you do with this information? Like, she's like, should I tell my spouse? I would have told my spouse on the first day. I'm like, yo, you got to, you know, like, you know, Betty, right? She's faking like she lost a leg. It worked. She limps. She's got a stick. Like, multiple people talk to me about how she lost a leg. We both know Betty does not has not lost a leg. Betty got a leg. Like, what do you think? How, can you imagine a world in which, like, this situation occurs? Uh, I'd be telling other friends, like, yo, you know, Betty? She lied about a fake leg. Like, what in the world? And, like, at this job, I assume this one, fake leg one's, like, always wearing long pants, right? I mean, you, you can't do any, like, work social events, not in any shorts, not in a skirt. I mean, you've got to be wearing pants. This, I don't know. Uh, I I would not mention it to this person. Because this question asker said, this woman was weird when I applied for this job and got it. Of course she's weird. Like, she knows, you know she's got two legs. And now, she knows, you know she's lying. I would not, I don't want to mess with that situation. Like, you know, if she brings up to you, like, like, hey, man, you know, your your life, your business, like, I'm just, I'm just keeping my head down, trying to do my thing over here. I would never bring that up. I mean, because I don't think there's any good response she can give you. What could she possibly tell you that would make this seem okay? Like, 
oh yeah, I, that's a good reason. Like I get why you're faking that you have a prosthetic. Like that's not happening. Now maybe I'd be tempted to ask her, just like, hey, I know you got two legs. You know you got two legs. Why does everybody here think you only have one? Like, how does a lie like that not only start, but progress? Like, if it's a simple misunderstanding, what is going on? But we all know this woman just, she's she's begging for sympathy. This is, this is wild. Ah, I so want to know more. I do. I mean, come on. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't, you can't bring this up at work. I mean, you, you certainly can't out this woman that like, hey, she's lying about this leg. You can't, because then... That's just going to look bad on you, you know, like, because this one may double down and say, oh, I for sure have a fake leg. And then you're the new person. You just don't have the, the credibility. You don't have the clout. You don't want to do it. Holy cow. All right. That's, well, guess what? Listeners, I will talk to you next week, and you can count on that. This has been another rousing episode of Fridays on the Fly. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Ward. Go to our website, fridaysonthefly.com. From there, you can find everything. Episodes, iTunes links, Stitcher. Whatever you need from Fridays on the Fly, you can find it there. So go there, check us out.